The Joy FM Sports presents The Sweet Spot with Corey Bradley. Welcome to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley. Thank you for joining us again this week, and we truly appreciate all the love and support that you give. Now, last week we had the game of the century, as they call it, LSU-Alabama, like I mentioned, is it's way over hype to give it that kind of title, but the game itself didn't disappoint. LSU won 46-41. to I did predict Alabama to win 27-17, so I was a lot lower than uh, most people were expecting or predicting. I guess I was a little naive, kind of thinking, okay, both teams coming off a bye week, they'll figure out a way to get two or three more stops, and the score won't be as as high as uh, as it ended up being. But I think it speaks more to the potent offenses that both team possesses. Alabama has an amazing receiving core. Like I said, I believe it's the best in the nation with and, and then Tua as your quarterback. And we all know how great Tua has been since he stepped on campus in Tuscaloosa. And then LSU with Joe Burrow and Edward Hilaire and Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. I mean, they just have – they opened it up this year with – hiring Joe Brady as their passing game coordinator who came over from the New Orleans Saints. And LSU is is a brand-new LSU this year. Now, the storylines leading up to the game was about an ankle. An ankle this, ankle that. Will that ankle be ready? But the storylines after the game were about a foot, as in Alabama continuously shot themselves in the foot throughout the game. And it started with... The opening drive, Alabama is moving the ball down the field. Najee Harris breaks off a big run. Tua's completing passes. They get inside the 10, and it's third and goal. Tua's looking to make a play, and he scrambles for the end zone. And as he's scrambling for the end zone, the ball just ha- happens to pop out. It just came out. Like, no one hit it. It just He lost control of it, and LSU recovered. But on that play, you could kind of tell that Tua was – tiptoeing his way to the end zone and he was favoring that hurt ankle as I mentioned and I'm not making an excuse for Tua but you could tell that his mind was focusing or thinking about him running and trying to get to the end zone with his legs and I think he just lost uh, focus on the ball itself so that was the opening drive that kind of was a really a microcosm for what would happen throughout the rest of the game for Alabama. And, you know, when a team has the opening drive, they're looking to put up seven. The, the, the fans go crazy. The team's super excited. It just really gives you a good feeling, a good momentum boost to start the game with seven on the board. So, like I said, Bama just happened to shoot themselves in the foot all the way throughout the game. Now, Right before the half, to me, was kind of the breaking point for for Bama and I guess kind of the, the best point for LSU. It's 30 seconds left. LSU scores on a rushing touchdown by Claude Edwards-Hilaire to go up 26-13. So it was 26 seconds left when he got it into the end zone. So 23 seconds once Tua and the offense comes onto the field. Tua, they're at home. They're trying to get points before half. You know, it's always a good feeling when you can kind of get even just a field goal going into halftime, give you kind of that a little momentum going into the half. So 23 seconds left as he takes the field. Tua looks to throw it across the middle. It's intercepted by Patrick Queen. 
Patrick Queen returns it, and at the end of his return, there's only 11 seconds left on the clock. But on that play, Landon Dickerson, Alabama's offensive line, committed a horrendous act, a cheap shot of all cheap shots, as he hit Kerry Vincent Jr. in the back, where it's just it was egregious. You hate to see things like that in the game. There's no place for it in the game. And so that added on another 15 for LSU in that drive. And when I think about that cheap shot, and I think about cheap shots in sports and as a whole, I went back to Lakers and Mavericks. Back when, years ago, it's in the playoffs, the Lakers are on the brink of being swept by the Mavericks, and they're down 26 points. Mavericks are bringing the ball down the court, and Lamar Odom out of nowhere just forearm, forearm shoves Dirk Nowitzki, Flagrant two foul, he's ejected. Forty seconds later, JJ Barea, six foot guard for the Mavericks, driving to the hole. He goes up for the layup, and all of a sudden, you see big man, seven footer Andrew Bonham comes in and elbows JJ Barea while he's in the air, and Barea collapsed to the floor. And Bonham knew he was ejected as soon as it happened. I mean, he walked off the court, took his jersey off as he's leaving the floor. And it's just things like that where it's no place in the game. You want to be respectful. You're getting beat, but you still have to be competitive and remain respectful to the other team. As we always say with the Joy FM when we're doing broadcasts, we always commend sportsmanship when we see that between the two teams. And another incident where a cheap shot, and this was, it really bothers me as well, as all of them do, but this one here uh, vividly came to my memory was, a couple of years ago when Rob Gronkowski, Rob Gronkowski for the Patriots was being covered by Tredavious White, another LSU defender, and Tredavious White intercepted the ball, and when he intercepted the ball, he fell to the ground. So he's basically giving himself up to the play because he has the ball, but he's on the ground just laying there waiting for the play to be over. Rob Gronkowski, three seconds later, comes out of nowhere and elbow drops on top of Tredavious White. I mean, Gronkowski is probably, what, 6'4", 280, and Tredavious White maybe like, I don't know, 5'10", 5'11", 190, something like that. And to have all that weight being dropped down on you, uh, was it was it was, it was was sickening. That's really what it was. And Gronkowski ended up being suspended, I think, for a game. He should have really had a minimum of four games just because that was not a football play. Those intentions were to hurt Tredavious White, who ended up being – out with a concussion uh, from that from that boneheaded decision by Rob Gronkowski. And so Landon Dickerson kind of helped give LSU momentum on that drive with the extra 15 yards on the cheap shot to carry Vincent Jr. Next play, LSU, Joe Burrow finds Claude Edwards-Hilaire in the end zone for a touchdown. Now it's 33-13 going into the half. So it was 19-13 with 30 seconds left. 24 seconds um, after that, so 30 seconds to six seconds left in the half, the, the score went from 19-13 to 33-13. Just like that, in a 24-second uh, game, uh, game, I guess I could say uh, span in the game, a 24-second span in the game, Ellis, uh, Bama went from down six points to down 20 points. And that, to me, was really the end of, I'm going to say the end of the game, but I'll tell you this. You can't win a game in the first half, but you sure can lose it in the in the first half. And that's what happened. Bama lost that game in the first 30 minutes, regardless of the rally and comeback that they had in the second half. Now, in that game, 
Joe Burrow, we it's it's been it's been about him this this whole season. It's been about his progression, how he's matured into a Heisman favorite. I don't think if he's not even a Heisman hopeful anymore. I think that win probably uh, cemented his Heisman trophy candidacy. If unless something you know drastic happens with LSU, which we don't kind of foresee that happen, but so Joe Burrow, when I when I think about Joe, I remember last year, me and my brother and my cousin, we do a pick em each week and how it's just, you know, teams with games we pick amongst each other. And I remember LSU was playing Georgia and I picked LSU to beat Georgia. And I remember my cousin saying, Corey, you going with LSU over Georgia? And I was like, yeah, I just have a good feeling about Joe Burrow. I was like, I like his confidence. I trust him more than I do uh, Jake Fromm in this game. And Burrow balled out. He ended up leading LSU to a victory over Georgia, which not many people were predicting in that game. So when I think about Joe Burrow, I I came with a comparison from him to two other quarterbacks who kind of had similar situations. Those two quarterbacks are Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton. So when I think about all the three quarterbacks, first thing that comes to mind is how they all were transfer quarterbacks. Cam Newton, starting in chronological order, Cam Newton first uh, was at Florida, was behind Tim Tebow, and, you know, he got into some, I think they said, academic trouble while he was there. There were also uh, reports of him uh, with a stolen laptop there, and so, you know, he just wasn't focused like he should have been while he was sitting behind Tim Tebow. So Cam Newton transfers out to Blinn Community College in Blinn, Texas, and I remember uh, I was at Auburn, and there was a guy named Adam Moore who was at Auburn. He was from Texas. So after his freshman year at Auburn, he moved back home to Texas, and he attended Blinn College. So while I remember him texting me, and he was like, hey, Corey, man, Blinn has his quarterback, Cam Newton. I was like, this, this, this kid is an animal. And so he was like, if Auburn can get him, man, we'll, we'll be sky high, man. The sky's the limit for us. And sure enough, you know, Adam called that to the day man so uh you know cam like i said going to bland college they won the the junior college national championship while he was there going undefeated he transfers to auburn because you know becomes heisman trophy winner at auburn the third in school history leading auburn to their second title in school history the first in 50 years and you know it all kind of ran through cam with what offenses uh, with that, with that offense that year, and something defense has never seen before—a six-six, two-fifty quarterback—and having to stop him, not only through the air but also on the ground when he's making plays with his feet. Next is Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield started at Texas Tech. He led the Red Raiders to a five and zero start, and then he got hurt. And when he got hurt. Cliff Kingsbury gave the job to Davis Webb. So Baker Mayfield never got the job back. But during that year, while he was sitting, they played in Norman against the Oklahoma Sooners. And Baker was like, you know what? I want to play here. This is where I want to be. I want to be a part of the Oklahoma Sooners family and the football tradition. And so after his freshman year, he transfers to Oklahoma. He sits out. And when he's ready to play, you know, he he took off with that opportunity. And so he ended up being Heisman winner and the eventual number one pick for the Cleveland Browns. And so he transferred, had ultimate success when he made the move from Texas Tech to Oklahoma as well. 
Now, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow started at Ohio State. In 2016, he only played five games behind JT Barrett. 2017, JT Barrett is still the starting quarterback, but Joe Burrow is competing for the number two spot behind him. Well, Joe Burrow broke his hand, and Dwayne Haskins ended up getting the number two job. So Burrow's behind. Uh, he's behind. I'm lost train of thought for a second. Uh, so Joe Burrow's third on the depth chart, I should say. He's third on the depth chart. And so after that year, he transfers out to LSU. And last year he had a solid season. I mean, I, th- I don't think it really wowed anybody by any standards, but he had a, an, an, a solid season. But this year, with the addition to Joe Brady as their passing game coordinator, he's taken off. And like I said, I don't think he's the Heisman hopeful anymore. He's probably clearly the Heisman favorite as – uh, you think about some of the the winners who's they say when they play Bama when they beat Bama it's kind of their Heisman moment and all of the the games you think about like Joe Burrow won in Tuscaloosa Johnny Manziel won in Tuscaloosa Cam Newton won in Tuscaloosa all three of those quarterbacks ended up winning the Heisman uh, and so I think Joe Burrow is his uh, trophy to lose as well and I don't see that happening at all but that's the one comparison I think about all three quarterbacks is how they were all transfers from one place to the next and having ultimate success once they made that move. Next, they're all kind of confident. Uh, some would say borderline cocky, arrogant. And, you know, with Cam, when he was at Auburn, you've seen kind of how he toyed with some of the opposition. I mean, he was constantly laughing and playing just because he knew he was that much better than the opposing team and their defenders. And, you know, I think that comes to, like I said, he's 6'6", 250, the way he runs, the arm he had. And just, he, you've you seen this, that kind of fun and exuberance he dis- displayed on the field week to week, regardless of who they played. And it, I don't know, I think it kind of rub a lot of people the wrong way, especially if you're not a fan of Auburn or Cam. But if you were a fan of Auburn during that 2010 season, you've seen – Cam kind of just play and toy with the opposition. And I think uh, people took that as arrogance and cockiness. And not saying that it's not, but that's kind of what Cam possesses along with Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield is confident, but like I said, is he kind of arrogant too with it. Um, I remember that year they beat Ohio State in Ohio State in Columbus, and he took the Oklahoma flag and planted it in the center of Ohio State's field. And, you know, of course, that just stirs so much emotion and debate and things you shouldn't do. Uh, But that's who Baker Mayfield is. He's all about, you know, making it known that he's better than you. And, And I don't know, a lot of teams, you want that in your quarterback. You want somebody who is a leader through their actions and through their their words as well. And, you know, because the team kind of rallies behind that. I remember prior to that uh, to, to his first starting year, he he was dancing and he had the whole team around him and uh, he was like, doing all the whip and the nay and everything and just had the fan, had got the whole team around him cheering him on and supporting him. And like, I didn't even know anything about him as a player yet, but I got behind him just by seeing a player with that charisma and, and the team and how they just ate it all up. And I think that helped transition to the the wins and success that Oklahoma had 
in the uh, college football season that year when they lost to Georgia in the playoff in that uh, overtime game. Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, like I said, I mentioned I liked his confidence last year. I did not see him breaking out the way he did this year, but he has that confidence too. He's he's very sure of himself and his abilities to get the job done. And I think it really just fits perfectly with what LSU is trying to do as they're trying to supplant Alabama from the number one spot in the SEC West, which they've done that. They've beat them in Tuscaloosa, and they have the inside track to go to Atlanta and also to the college football playoff. So Joe Burrow, like I said, is his confidence. I had an Alabama fan tell me a couple weeks ago that she didn't like Burrow because he was cocky and arrogant. And, you know, this that same kind of mentality that, fuels the LSU Tigers and Baton Rouge they they feed off of that and you know I think that really just helps when they come to play in the Alabamas and the Clemsons the Georgias or whoever uh the LSU the Florida the LSU played Florida you know when when you come to play in those teams who've had success you know you need that leadership that somebody who can kind of show the way and we get behind you because you believe now I believe and we all believe. And like I said, LSU ended up getting that win over Alabama, and now they're number one in the college football playoff rankings. So that's the other comparison with the three quarterbacks. The final comparison is how they all kind of play with a chip on their shoulder. So Cam Newton, going back to the 2010 season, you know, Auburn's undefeated, and leading up to the Georgia-Auburn game, which we'll discuss that here in the show later, But the week of that game is when the news and allegations came out that Cam and his dad were shopping his his play for pay and the whole Scam Newton stuff started to come out. And you started to see a different Cam from that point forward because he was having fun and playing the game as he does. But when those allegations came out, it was kind of more like, okay, I'm going to shut the critics up. I'm going to prove the doubters wrong. And so... Like, they beat Georgia, they go to Alabama, you're down 24-0 in Tuscaloosa. You come back and win that game 28-27. to And I remember Cam Newton and Nick Fairley running around the field with their hands over their mouths and just kind of saying, like, you know, we're not going to say anything, but we let it all play here on the field, regardless of the things that y'all been saying about us and this program. And like I said, Cam Newton ended up leading Auburn to an SEC championship, 56-17 over South Carolina. AB Oregon in the national championship 22 to 19 and the rest is history. Baker Mayfield, you know, Baker, I heard him say that he actually keeps a list of people that's doubted him going back to his high school years. So coming out of high school, he wasn't really heavily recruited. I mean, TCU was looking at him heavily, but Gary Patterson, the head coach, didn't really, I guess, wasn't fully behind giving Baker Mayfield a scholarship. So he His assistant coaches were interested in Baker, but Gary Patterson never signed off to give Mayfield that chance as a scholarship quarterback with the Horned Frogs. And so Baker ended up walking on as a quarterback at Texas Tech. And like I said, he leads them to a 5-0 and start. He gets hurt. Cliff Kingsbury gives the job to Davis Webb. Webb keeps the job. And so I think Cliff Kingsbury is probably on that list too as well now that you know, Baker sat to deal with Gary Patterson not believing. Cliff Kingsbury doesn't believe in him to give the job back to him. Baker transfers to Oklahoma. 
He has an amazing standout Heisman season. And, you know, that's kind of, I mean, who who Baker is. It's like he has to prove everyone wrong. And if you doubt him in any way, whether it's something you said or something you do, he's going to let you have it. Um, even Colin Cowherd is, they've kind of had like this big grudge against each other. And it was funny when Baker finally went on Cowherd's show and them going back and forth against each other. But, uh, you know, any chance Cowherd gets to, to kind of speak ill of Mayfield, he does so. And you know, but Baker, he just uses that as fuel to the fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove you wrong. I'm gonna tell you that, show you, I'm gonna tell you I'm the best. And I'm gonna show you I'm the best, and you're gonna eat your words. So, uh, you know, Baker, like I said, I bet his his list of uh, redemption and people and critics that he has to prove wrong. I bet it's a a few pages long for sure with all the football that he's played over the years. Now, Joe Burrow, like I said, transferred from Ohio State to LSU. And, you know, SEC football is a lot different. It's a lot different. It's usually the best football in the conference, or not in the conference, but in the nation. So going from Ohio State to LSU, where the best football is being played week in, week out, there's usually a difference between an ACC football player and an SEC football player. And if you look at the NFL the rosters are flooded with SEC players. So Burrow coming to LSU where they're competing for championships. They're not looking to go 9-3 and three every year. They want to win one, and it's been a while since they've done so, uh, which kind of led to Les Miles being fired, who's currently at at Kansas right now, so trying to revive that program or restore that program, I should say. So uh, Joe Burrow, quarterback at LSU, he's – Having to kind of take in the criticism, is he able to get LSU over the hump? Are they for real this year? Can they beat the Alabamas, which they did previously? So he's already gotten over that hump. Now the question is, can you win an SEC championship? Chances are they'll be playing Georgia the way it's looking if everything stays to status quo. Can you win the SEC championship in Atlanta? And if you do that, then you go to the playoff can you win a national championship? So you're constantly trying to prove people wrong. And you can see that Joe Burrow plays with that chip on his shoulder that, hey, I have to go out here, prove the critics wrong, show my doubters that I am for real. And who's to say he's not going to do it? I think he will. Like I said, I've I seen something in him last year. It was just different, just the way he carried himself as a quarterback and as a player for that team. Like I said, I didn't, didn't expect him to break out the way he's done this year, but – He's on his way to a Heisman Trophy and also probably to a first-round pick come April next year in the NFL. So those are the three comparisons when I came to Joe Burrow. I compared him to Baker Mayfield and Cam Newton. All those guys transferred, had great success. They all are kind of confident, cocky, arrogant in a way, and then they all play with a chip on their shoulder where – you know, you're always being questioned when you make a mistake. You're always being told you can't do something. You're not good enough. You're you're just not on that level that you should be. Or you keep it up doing this way, things are not going to go uh, as, as you planned. Or, you know, people are constantly hoping that you fall on your face to kind of shut you up and humble you. So we'll see how it all plays out with Burrow as he continues his collegiate career at LSU and further on on Sundays in the NFL. Now, when we return, we have a very special guest with us here in the studio. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on The Sweet Spot. 
Welcome back to The Sweet Spot. I'm your host, Corey Bradley, and we have a very special guest with us today, our very own color commentator for the Joy FM Sports, Mike Lawson. Mike, thank you for joining us today, man. Man, it's an honor. I'm glad to be here, bro. Man, uh, you know, we have Georgia-Auburn this Saturday, but before we get into that rivalry, the college football playoff rankings recently came out, Uh, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you, you know, of course, Georgia's only loss came against South Carolina, double overtime, twenty seventeen. Horrible. Horrible loss, man. I can imagine. I thought about you as that game went on, and <laughs> it's so terrible. that's been Georgia's only loss, right? But media, some fans feel Georgia hasn't been as dominant as expected. And like I mentioned, with the playoff rankings came out, I looked on CBS Sports this morning. The first thing it read: College football rankings, Georgia is overrated. Right. Tell me. Is Georgia, are they missing something this year? And if it if they are, what is it they're missing? Well, you know, all preseason, the thing that everybody talked about with Georgia was uh, lack of depth or lack of experience at the wide receiver position. And to me, I'm, I, I think they're right. I think that's the big uh, thing that has really hindered us. Defensively, Georgia is stout this year. Yeah, I, I mean, if, if you go and look in uh, SEC stats, we're – number one number two across the board either in the sec or in the nation i know we're number one in the nation and sec and red zone efficiency on defense and you know we don't have any defensive stars they're just playing really well so defensively i mean we are spectacular offensively uh we have just just sputtered from a fan's point of view you know and and it's hard to compare yourself because i know georgia's not built like uh, the new Alabama, uh, Georgia's not built like the brand new LSU where yeah. they're putting up 40 <laughs> points a game it's and insane. things like that. But I think the wide receiver position is really hurting us now, and uh, those guys are learning. Uh, I don't know if Jake Fromm has played his best either, and part of that is because everybody stacks the box. Uh, so uh, DeAndre Swift and Brian Heron are running against – a. Uh, an extra man in the box and our receivers are having a a tough time beating press coverage so I mean that's the formula that you play against Georgia and uh, you know we just haven't figured out a great way to really deal with that in my opinion and you know you mentioned the guys that Georgia's missing Nicole Hardman who uh, is balling out with the Chiefs now he had that long touchdown the other day and then Riley Ridley as well you know Calvin Ridley's brother so you 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 hit the head on the nail on the head I should say is when it comes to their receiving core. There's a lot of new playmakers that have to kind of step uh, step up this year, and so you know the defense, like you mentioned, I was looking at the stats today. They've only allowed ten points per game. That's second in the nation. That's that's insane, man. Yeah, we have not allowed a rushing touchdown this year. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, that's nuts. So. uh you know, defensively, I, I I like where we are, and I thought Missouri was going to get run one in on us uh, uh, last week. They had, you know, it was first and goal on the three, and uh, you know they we kept them out. I mean, we, we just stonewalled them down there. So I thought that I thought that no rushing touchdown was going to go down uh, uh, last week, but we we held on to it. And that's so. impressive, man. Like I think it's two of the last three games you're pitching shutouts against Missouri and Kentucky. Uh, and you know defense wins championship 
Georgia's number four in the playoff rankings. But this Saturday we have Georgia, Auburn, the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Can you explain the hatred between the two schools and the two fan bases? Well, from a from a Georgia's perspective, uh, Florida we hate. All right, Florida is just Florida Georgia's just intense rivalry. Uh, uh, I actually converted my wife from being a Florida Did fan. Really? That was oh, one wow. of the conditions, you know, before we got <laughs> married. But, uh, uh, you know, as far as Georgia-Auburn goes, it's more like wrestling with your big brother. That's the way I look okay. at it. You know, as your your brother's in the backyard, you've gotten an argument, and you're going to uh, fight it out. But when the fight is done, it's done. That's just kind of the way I look at, at Auburn. Uh, uh, it's a fun rivalry. And I've got to say, from a fan perspective, I think I've been to three – Auburn games when Georgia plays at Auburn yeah always been treated well and you know but the the intensity I think this year is going to be pretty high because I think that uh Georgia's got to win out yeah. whether they're ranked four or five they got to win out either way uh, and I think Auburn's gonna come in kind of with a chip on their shoulder this year because uh their schedule is 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 tough and uh you know you got georgia at home and alabama at home and i think auburn will be looking to make a statement uh in these games for sure no you're right about that man uh auburn like you said having georgia at home bama at home we've seen how it played out a couple years ago not sure if it'll play out that same uh that same scenario this year but you know you mentioned florida was the most hated and then auburn now would Georgia Tech be third? Is it Florida, Auburn, Georgia Tech as far as the rivalry goes? Maybe maybe 10 years ago, but Georgia Tech's been so bad now yeah, lately yeah. that, you know. <laughs> it's kind of one-sided. I, yeah, sorry to any Georgia Tech fans out there listening, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's been so one-sided there. Uh, to me, I, the I, I would put, uh, like, Florida, Auburn, and, and this Georgia-Alabama rivalry is really taking on a new curve, you know, because we, we in the national championship, you know, Georgia had them, and uh, – uh, we had we had Jalen figured out, you know, push him to the right yeah. and and uh, and and put him under pressure, make him move that way. Uh, so uh, we started out uh, with Jalen, then Tua comes in with the second and twenty six uh, and just killed us. And then in the SEC championship last year, we had him on the ropes again, yeah. and the exact opposite happens. You know, Tua gets banged up and uh, tries his best. He's got he's got a heart of a lion. That that yeah. guy, I, re- I really respect him, especially after the LSU game. But uh, and then Jalen comes in and, and finishes us off. You know, so I think in recent times, and I think because Kirby came from Alabama yeah. and, and all that kind of stuff, that uh, the Georgia uh, Alabama is probably third right now. Uh, but uh, it's hard to replace Georgia Auburn. It's just a good classic rivalry game, and I think I think some of the uh, recruiting issues that they deal with in the off season mm-hmm. really kind of heats that rivalry up. I, I know agree. Uh, we uh, we got George Pickens from Auburn yeah. like last yeah. uh, last minute last year. That's a tough and, one, uh, and he's fantastic. So I'm really really happy we got that one. But Auburn gets a lot of guys out of the state of Georgia, especially around uh columbus mm-hmm. and americus and, that, and you know that that kind of region of georgia uh they really pull a lot of players uh out of, out of the state of georgia so there's this recruiting rivalry with georgia and auburn as well and you know you mentioned you've been to a few of the games i've been to a couple uh unfortunately the two games i went to auburn lost both of those games well, maybe you should go this time man. well that's what you're saying <laughs> you say, it's like I'm, I'm bad luck for the tigers man you know um but i'll tell you the first game i went to was 20 let me get it right 20 
09. Is that right? I was I was a student at Auburn, and it was a year. I remember Matthew Stafford was there. Mm-hmm. It was 2008 because it was Tobyville's okay. last year. Tobyville's last year, Matthew Stafford was there. A.J. Green was there. And, uh, you know, Georgia pulled a, a win. I want to say it was like 17-13. It was very low scoring. One of those classic battles. And then I went again, uh, I believe it was, I want to say 2011. No, that's not right. I don't know. Anyway, it was a road game. When Joe Cox was the quarterback at the time, Green got hurt in that one as well, and we in the first quarter, and we thought we were good, and Georgia ended up winning that battle also, man. What's funny about Georgia Auburn is it, it's almost like the visiting team. For a while there, it got to be where the visiting team would win, you yeah, know. Yeah. Um, in the late '90s and things like that, I know I went to a Georgia Auburn game in Georgia, and Auburn won that game. Uh, my first Georgia Auburn game was in the mid '90s where. Uh, Auburn was fixing to score and go up and win. Uh, They had the ball on like the one-yard line with a couple of seconds left. We got up and left the stadium, and Georgia, uh, the Auburn running back fumbled the ball, and Georgia recovered with like two seconds left on the one. Uh, So, uh, But that was my first Georgia-Auburn experience. Yeah, And and they're always good. They're always good. You're right, man. I've I've definitely suffered some heartbreaks in that battle, and especially when it's been like the night – Saturday night ESPN kind of game where you go to bed either super excited or you go to bed, you know, like I said, heartbroken. But uh, tell me what has been your most exciting moment in this series? Uh, in this series, uh, probably the uh, I went to when we first moved to Dothan, uh, we had a, uh, a person that gave us Georgia Auburn tickets and uh, it was uh, uh Nick Marshall was there, uh, and Todd Gurley were, were there, and I went to that Georgia Auburn game. To me, that was that was the funnest uh, that we went to. Uh, we went in twenty fifteen. I think I went to that game as well. Georgia won that, but I think it was expected. My wife and my mother in law, my daughter and my mom went in twenty seventeen, where Auburn snatched that one from us. Yeah. And uh, uh, my wife said that was a tough game to to sit and watch. That Auburn just really dominated that game so probably that man I, I can't remember that would have been 09 012 something like that yeah uh but we i remember sitting in the stadium we were so low we were on the second row actually in the faculty section uh nick marshall uh, broke away for a long touchdown and i couldn't see him get the end zone all i could see was the top of his helmet <laughs> and uh uh but uh it's a great place to watch a game uh we we really have a good time uh when we when we go there uh just it's just a classic rivalry uh uh so i i can sit and have a conversation with a auburn guy but sitting and conversing with a florida person would be a lot tougher bro yeah a lot more trouble <laughs> yeah, that's right. pursuing there uh, but no you're right it's a, it's a very classic rivalry i um like i mentioned when i it was the 08 game was at home at auburn 09 was in athens and my friend who had tickets they were from his uncle so his uncle's a Georgia fan. So mm-hmm. we were surrounded. It was four of us, Auburn fans, surrounded by nothing but Georgia fans. But like you said, there was no disrespect involved. Um, it was pretty cool just seeing how uh, you know how you guys bark leading up to the kickoff and oh, stuff, yeah. man, and stuff. So it's, it was awesome just being a part of that. So like I, you probably see this coming from our previous question about your most exciting moment. Now, what's been the most disappointing experience that you've uh, that you've had as a Georgia fan in this rivalry? As a Georgia fan, the 2017 one was definitely. I mean, most recent that was that was tough, you yeah. know, because uh, and that's the year, you know, you know, you had 
Auburn played uh, Georgia at home mm-hmm. and and beat Georgia. Yeah, uh, and then uh, Alabama came in uh, I, the next week, I guess it was or two the weeks week, later. or two weeks yeah. later. Yeah, and Auburn beat them. And uh, who was the running back y'all had? Johnson, Carryon Johnson. Carryon Johnson. Yeah, that guy is yeah. a beast. And uh, and you know that was heartbreaking to us because back in 2017, I think Georgia was probably the best team in the country. Uh, but I mean for for those two weeks. Uh, you know, Auburn took it. I mean, they took it to us. Uh, now, was, we got the SEC championship a couple of weeks later. Yeah. But, I mean, and I, I, the only reason I think Georgia won the SEC championship in 2017 was because uh, Johnson was hurt. You yeah, know, he, he was banged, banged He got up. really banged up. Yeah, he's uh, banged up now in the Detroit Lions. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, uh, you know, that's the only reason I think we won is because the running game for Auburn was just really stifled due to injury. But, uh, you know, at 2017, you know, I, it, in 2017, I wanted to run the table, you know, because that was, uh, I think, Chubb's last year and Michelle's last year. Yeah. They were getting ready to go in the pros. They stayed. You know, they were seniors and stayed. Yeah. So, as a Georgia fan, we were all kind of rooting for, you know, for those guys. And, and uh, when they dropped, dropped the ball on Auburn, that, that one stung a little bit. Now, did Gus Malzahn's comments after that, first win do you think that fueled any oh yeah i'm sure that was hung up i'm sure that was hung up in the locker room uh uh there's interesting story there's a uh uh, a girl that goes to my church she is uh she actually is married to him now uh guy's last name was berryman he played for auburn and played uh tight end and special teams for auburn uh but we were talking about that we were on a missions trip and we were talking about that uh the comments that gus made after uh the game and and he said you know he said, "That's just Gus, you know. That just, you know, he probably didn't yeah. even mean anything by it. It was just Gus, but I'm sure that was hung up in the Georgia uh, locker room uh, until the SEC championship for sure." So the Deep South's oldest rivalry, Georgia and Auburn, this Saturday, two thirty on CBS. What concerns you as a Georgia fan, aside from the rivalry, but kind of the game within the game? What concerns you uh, about the on the field aspect of the game? Uh, if if I'm if I'm analyzing Georgia offensive production, yeah, uh, and I think Auburn and Georgia both kind of struggle with that. They yeah. kind of both of them are just kind of hit or miss this year. Georgia started out better, and we just continue to struggle offensively. Uh, but offensive production for Georgia, uh, you know, receivers and quarterback. Uh, Jake Fromm's got a great uh, football IQ, so I'm very confident in that. I do not know how our hand, our receivers will be able to, to beat the coverage that Auburn provides. Looking at Auburn, the thing that, that concerns me the most as a Georgia fan is Auburn can pressure the quarterback with four. Yeah, Their defensive line is absolutely outstanding. So, you know, will our offensive line, who's banged up a little bit, will they be able to hold hold back Auburn's D-line? That's going to be the – to me, that's going to be the difference in the game. If you, you When it comes down to it, is can our offensive line handle the, the 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 front four of Auburn? So we have Georgia, Auburn, Saturday. Tell me who do you have and why will they win? You know I'm picking Georgia. <laughs> so uh, I don't think it. I think everybody in Vegas is kind of saying about 35 points or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I think it'll be a tight game. I think. Uh, I think the power index has Auburn favored, but Vegas has Georgia favored by two and a half. Mm-hmm. I think it'll end up being a low-scoring game. I think it'll end up uh, – I'm going to go 23-17 Georgia, something okay. like that. Yeah. 
You know, what do you uh, think? Man, I was going back and forth. I've been trying to figure out, you know, I'm Auburn today and I'm Georgia tomorrow. I was like, I, it could be, it's one of those games. It really right. is. Yeah. Two very good defenses. Like I said, Georgia's number five total defense as far as yards per game. I think Auburn was uh, 28 as far as yards per game, but they only allow 17 points per game. Auburn does. Georgia only allows 10. So it's going to be a defense of one of those classic battles. And so when it came down to me making that decision who would win the game, I look at Jake Fromm. I trust Jake Fromm more than I do Bo Nix, which is understandable with mm-hmm. Nix being a true freshman. Now, Nix is at home. But just Fromm has those battle scars, man. He's been starting since a freshman since his freshman year. And then the other part is I trust Rodrigo Blankenship more than I do Carlson for Auburn, man. Blankenship's one of the best kickers in the nation, if not the best. So when it comes down to quarterback play and kicking, where I think it's gonna be determines the outcome of the game with the two defenses being so great as they are, I pick Georgia. 23-20, man. So you 23. said 23-17, yes, right? I did. I said 23-20. I got Georgia with the win. And, uh, man, it's going to be exciting to see how it plays out come yeah, Saturday. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be good. Man. Mike, thank you for joining us and stopping by the sweet spot today, man. We truly appreciate you coming through and uh, just sharing your expertise I'm, on the I'm georgia Auburn series. Glad to be here. <laughs> now, uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with our final segment, Triple C, and um, kind of share some closing comments as – we wrap up the show, so don't go anywhere. We'll be right back here on The Sweet Spot. Welcome back to the sweet spot. It's time for Triple C, the Triple C part of the day, Corey's closing comments. And today what I want to share with you is when you are doing right, some people have to be left behind. When you are doing right, some people have to be left behind. And when I say that, I think of, you know, when you're trying to turn a new page in your life, uh, trying to take a new step in a new direction, some of those ways have to be cut out but also the people some of the people that surround you have to be uh, left behind as well because when you're trying to go in a certain direction that's different from what you've been doing you have to let those people who aren't good for you you have to leave them behind because if you're trying to bring them with you then you're going to keep doing the same things that you are you're surrounded by influences that aren't good for you that aren't uh, positive and that's not beneficial for you in the long run. And like it could be, I don't, I don't know what your situation is, but it could be in a job, it could be in a relationship, it could be in a friendship. Uh, whenever you're trying to turn a new leaf, you have to leave some of those things behind. Some of the acts, some of the decisions, some of the ways you think, and some of the people. You know, it could be people you've been friends with for years it could be some of your family members even but just always remember when you are doing right you some people have to be left behind and remember with me and with God you're always loved in the sweet spot stay in the sweet spot on the joy fm sports facebook page this has been a presentation of the joy fm sports it's more than a game